social media, Facebook, things in that nature, they could be monetized already. Maybe this person was an influencer on Instagram. Maybe this person was an influencer on TikTok and they're making money. What happens if they pass? Who has access to the account? Who has rights to that account? I think that people consistently underestimate the how they think they're going to operate when they are emotionally vulnerable during the, the time of a person's passing. If if I'm the executor on my wife's estate and she dies, I am not going to be of a much of a mind to try and figure out where her passwords are. I don't want to be dealing with that while I am emotionally mourning her death. Welcome to Critical Thinking Required, hosted by LBW. This podcast is intended for free thinkers, entrepreneurs, and knowledge seekers. Join us as we discuss relevant financial topics, explore with guests their financial journeys, and engage with experts in industries such as space, media and entertainment, real estate, and many more. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Welcome to Critical Thinking Required. You're with your host, myself, Tim Bickmore, and my colleague, Nathaniel Leach. Nathaniel, thank you for joining us today again. Appreciate that. Yeah, we're talking about estate planning today, so Nathaniel's quiet. He's like, all right, Tim, you do your thing, and I'll fill in some holes as we go. Um, but today we want to talk about estate planning, um, an estate planning topic, but we, we're not going to talk about it in in uh, in the broad sense. We're actually going to get down into some a little bit of details on estate planning specifically on what do we do with digital assets or how do we think about digital assets? The reason why we wanted to bring this up is that digital assets are becoming more and more um, of a valuable thing in people's lives. Now, when I say value, that doesn't always necessarily mean monetary value. It could mean a lot of sentimental value or priceless value in the sense of photos, videos, things that you may want to keep um, for keepsakes purposes that can be worth more than millions of dollars in some people's minds. That's really what we want to talk about today. In addition to some also monetary valuable things such as Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, um, even maybe blog content. If you're a blogger or a vlogger, or if you're running a TikTok, for example, those can have monetary value that what happens in the event of someone passing? What? How does someone access your account? How do they continue to monetize it? Or do they not, right? Those are big questions where there are real value that's coming out of the digital asset of life. So we wanted to hit on that today, go through just a few things um, and touch on it. Again, if anyone ever has any questions about this, please reach out, let us know. We're always happy to educate on the topic. As Nathaniel will want me to say, our compliance officer, we are not lawyers. We're not giving legal advice. We're just educating people on, hey, these are some of the mechanisms in which you can. We always want you to go talk to a lawyer to make sure that if it makes sense to put some of these digital assets within trust language or within a trust, of course, we need a lawyer to make sure that they can do that and do it appropriately. Nathaniel, do you have any thoughts or any questions before we jump in? You good? You ready to go? Ready. All right. So a few things is I think we need to talk about Nathaniel is what, what is considered a digital asset. So I just, I'm going to name off a few. If you have any that I may miss, um, please, please, uh, you know, chime in. But some of the big ones that have come up most recently are, for example, cryptocurrency. More specifically, Bitcoin. What happens if you have Bitcoin? What do you do with it? How does that work? 
Do you only have it on your uh, hard drive on your computer? Have you taken and backed that up and put it onto a local hard drive that maybe you've stored into a vault or into a uh, safe box, safe safety deposit box? Where is that located? How do you access? Is it encrypted? Is it not encrypted? Where is the password? Right. All of these things are extremely important in the event that someone passes and as holding, for example, Bitcoin. You do not want to be, for example, people who are still living and are like, oh, my gosh, I forgot my password. And I have millions of dollars in Bitcoin sitting in a hard drive that I can't de-encrypt because I don't remember what my password was. And I only have so many chances to access it. So that's a really good example of something that needs to be discussed and talked about. Also, in the cryptocurrency world with newer exchanges, there may be a lot of um, unknowns what happens if you were to pass who can access your new account and who cannot. Like, what does that do? How do you work it? How do you make sure people have the ability to go in and access it on your behalf at the point of passing? Um, another big one is bank accounts, actually. Online bank accounts are becoming more and more popular where, for example, there may not be a physical branch. Now, with bank accounts, and even specifically on some exchanges when you're looking at cryptocurrency, typically you could call in and ask, but if your accounts aren't titled appropriately, if you don't have them going into a trust, if they're not in a way that is easily accessible, it can cause a lot of problems. To kind of be more specific about it, um, and this is going to account for all of these digital assets is what happens if you have two-step authentication and that two-step authentication is going towards a cell phone, right? And then that's how someone accesses it. If you shut down that person's cell phone, you may not be able to access the two-step authentication. Or if you were to call in, what about that secret word? What is that secret word? What is that password? How do we actually get in? Typically speaking, if you provide death certificates and or or and or power of attorney, typically you can start getting access to these types of accounts. But those are important things to think about when we are doing our estate planning. Now, to go on a little bit more of the unbeaten path, talked a little bit about traditional bank accounts, cryptocurrency. What about social media accounts? Facebook, Twitter, threads. Well, let me take that back. X, threads. Um, TikTok, right? What about these social media platforms? Who has access to that at your uh, at the time of death? What happens? How can you access it? Also, Gmail, Yahoo Mail, um, uh, Outlook Mail. There's a lot of information that's also flowing through emails. Where are your passwords? How do you access these accounts? The one thing that we have to make sure that we know is that a lot of these institutions do not want people to access their users information even if it is someone that's a family member they may not care they want to make sure that they're going to protect it at all costs it sometimes can be very difficult to access this going back to two-step authentication what happens if it's set up as an email address and you don't have access to those things how are you going to go ahead and access the bank accounts or other things if you can't access people's email accounts social media facebook things in that nature they could be monetized already. Maybe this person was an influencer on Instagram. Maybe this person was an influencer on TikTok and they're making money. What happens if they pass? Who has access to the account? Who has rights to that account, right? What do you do in that in that event? That is something that probably needs to be spoken with with a lawyer um, to figure out, hey, what happens at the point of my death? What happens to these accounts? They are very valuable. And who owns them? Who continues to run them? Do they shut them down? Do they not? 
Um, another uh, add-on too is like Google Drive. What if you have a lot of photos in Google Drive or on your Apple phone in the Apple iCloud? Who gets access to those photos? Where do those go? Who has access to this information? Um, Nathaniel, I've kind of hit on a lot of different points. Am I, do you think I'm missing anything big that we could hit on? Um, no, I, I don't think so. I think you, you hit a lot of the, the big ones right out of the park. Okay. That is why we wanted to talk specifically about this subject is there's a lot to it. It's not that simple. It's not that straightforward. And to be honest, it's quite new in the last couple decades. It's becoming more and more of a thing uh, or more and more of a hot topic to discuss when you're looking at your estate planning. So a lot of this kind of comes around to who has access to your usernames and passwords and access to get into your account or where do you store that information? We see quite a bit when people are looking at estate planning, we always encourage our clients, even at younger ages, to start looking and considering estate planning depending on their situation. But as people age and get older, estate planning becomes more and more of a necessity, more and more of a need, just based off of age. We see a lot where people are like, where do you store your passwords and where do you store your usernames? Oh, it's, on a, it's in a notebook. Is it updated? I have no idea. <laughs> Oh, and by the way, I've written multiple usernames and passwords because I've changed them so many times because they forced me to change them every 180 days. That's great. Yes, it's pretty fail safe in the sense that no one can go online and steal your passwords because it's all stored on a, on a physical notebook. But how is it organized? Is it organized well? Has it been updated? It can also be a really big pain in the butt for your deceit, um, your heirs to be able to figure out your chicken scratch or where things have been updated and when they weren't. It can be very difficult. So we always recommend to make sure that we are updating our usernames and passwords in a very coherent and consistent way. There are some online tools that can help with this. For example, 1Password is one that you could use. There is LastPass. There is Apple Chain. There is, um, I think, I don't know if Google has one or not, Nathaniel, off the top of my head. I think technically Google has a password. I think so, um, yeah. Uh, a, a type of, a, of software. So the good thing about those is, A, those passwords are typically a lot um, more secure because they're coming up with different mechanisms to create said password. And you only need to know one password or one login key in order to access everything. And it's also very well organized. So we always will suggest that looking into those types of programs in order to make sure we can store this type of information. So in the event of passing, you can just say, hey, here is our one this this one password. You just got to go log in, and then here's access to everything that I have. Um, it can be very beneficial. Or if someone, for example, were to do a notebook, please just keep it updated as much as possible. Maybe date it. Be like, hey, this is the last time this has been updated. However, you would like to go about it. Even putting it into which is not as secure an Excel sheet somewhere where it is available to your heirs. It can be very very helpful. And do you have any thoughts on? like passport management or um, anything in that in that realm? Well, so I can just summarize. Basically, it, it becomes down between uh, some written form, like in a notebook or, or a password management um, app or, or uh, Excel. And the, the pros for, for being within a paper form is that it's convenient, it's conveniently accessible to the person who's maintaining it. And it's not, you can't hack it. It's not hackable. Uh, the cons, though, is it's not secure in the sense that if you lose it, then you've got you've got issues. 
uh, and then consistently updating it so that the people who are in charge of uh, finding that after you're passing or if you're incapacitated, making it easier for them to understand what your actual login and password information is. Now with the uh, password management applications, uh, it's easier to, to manage. It's more secure if you, because you don't have to think of, you don't have to have the same password for everything. You can just have the one password to unlock all of these uh, very complex passwords that you don't even have to think up, that the software will think up for you. Now, the main con for a password management app is that it could be subject to cyber attack. That risk always exists. I believe that, that LastPass did suffer uh, such a uh, an issue, I think it was earlier this year or or last year, I believe. So it's not foolproof. It isn't by any stretch. So uh, always being careful from that mindset, never taking it for granted um, and operating accordingly. That's a good point, Nathaniel. I have another question for you because I know that you um, have done this in the past, but what about local hard drives? Let's, so let's say we're storing pictures. What are your thoughts on that? Or if it was a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, what are your overall just feelings on local hard drives? What should you do with them or any kind of just overall guidance in, in that in that sense? I mean, it's, it's a tough question. So I, I remember back in the day God, when I was in college 20 plus years ago, um, I, I started to buy external hard drives and those hard drives were hideously expensive for 300 gigabytes. I think it was $300. Now you can get two terabytes for 100, 150 maybe. So the price has definitely come down. But uh, the risk that you always took was that um, they can always break down. Like at some point, the hard drives can just stop working. So you have to consistently make sure that the hard drive is operational. You have to plug it in and make sure that everything's working as it should, that you can access your files for one. Uh, another issue is that you have to consistently plug it in to update it, to keep things updated. Uh, another issue could be that you could lose it. I mean, they're, they're now so small that, I mean, you know, thumb drives pack on 128 gigabytes, no problem. This size, you lose that thumb drive if it has uh, photos of sentimental value, it has cryptocurrency and you need the, the security keys to unlock the, the crypto. There's any number of issues that could arise uh, in such a situation. Got it. Okay. So it's something that you have to pay attention to understand how to function with a hard drive. What does that look like? What would you, and then also storing, right? Someone could theoretically come and take that zip drive or take that hard drive and plug it into their own computer if they really wanted to. So that, also that's the disadvantage of, of uh, it's called cold storage. Uh, when it comes to cryptocurrency, where it's completely detached from any internet or, or network source, uh, that's called cold storage. And then uh, uh, I think it's hot or warm storage, I can't remember which, um, where it's connected to the internet or some sort of network, and it's at risk of then being stolen. But then if you detach it and it becomes cold storage, then it's uh, subject to physical risks as well. So theft. Um, uh, damage from water damage or, or being burned or something like that. Okay, cool. The last thing that we wanted to hit on um, on this topic too, and again, I know we're kind of being pretty brief about it. It's just something we want to make people aware of, get, get people start thinking about, it. hey, I have a, I do have a digital life and, and what happens if I'm not here any longer? Where does that digital life go? 
But the last piece too is when, if you have done your estate planning, you have created a trust or any estate type, estate planning type documents. So power of attorney, power of healthcare. Uh, what we always typically suggest is make sure you keep an original copy, um, the ones that you've signed or you've dated. Um, and then also, if you can, if you've worked with an attorney, they typically have a, a copy of that on file as well. And you really want to make sure we have an electronic copy. And if you work with an advisor like ourselves, we typically also ask for a copy just in case if something were to happen, then we have a copy as well and we know what's going on. Now, if you have a power of, a, of an attorney that you need to start to enact, then yes, you're going to have to provide that to banking institutions, to, to people like ourselves, in order to make sure that you can start accessing certain accounts to work on behalf of somebody else. But having an electronic copy, um, even if you need to scan it in, if you've got original copies, we do suggest it's just a lot easier to make sure that it's up to date. And then if something were to happen, and as always, we really want people to review their estate plans about every five years. You should just relook at it, rethink it. Has anything changed? Life happens pretty fast. Things change. You may not want the trustee that you selected. You may want to change. Hey, this is how this is getting distributed to my kids. It happens all the time. So please review it. And when it comes to digital assets, it's evolving so fast. It's something else that we should probably review when we're looking at the estate plan. What are we doing with our digital assets? How are they being handled? Has there been anything new um, in relation to this topic in the last five years? Technology is moving quickly. So most likely the answer would probably be yes. Um, Nathaniel, do you have any uh, last thoughts on, on this topic? Uh, really, my final thoughts, if we're moving into that phase, would be um, I think that people consistently underestimate how they think they're going to operate when they are emotionally vulnerable during the, the time of a person's passing. If, if I'm the executor on my wife's estate and she dies, I am not going to be of a much of a mind to try and figure out where her passwords are. I don't want to be dealing with that while I am emotionally mourning her death. And I, I think that people just don't want to address the mortality of not only themselves, but also their loved ones. So I, I would I would highly recommend that don't wait for such an event to occur to try and figure things out. The time you spend today to make sure that all of your ducks are in a row will be vastly worth it when the event actually occurs. So don't wait, don't be complacent. Once you have things set up, like Tim said, once you have a trust or other other estate planning documents set up, they need to be reviewed on a consistent basis thereafter. And they need to be kept up to date, uh, up to date, excuse me. That was a really good last thought. I, I don't have anything to add on, on that specific topic. The only thing that I think I have to add at the end is really that life changes fast. And so updating your estate plan and reviewing this is important. Things do change. Um, I hear it a lot when it comes to financial planning that, oh, my life isn't going to change that much. I can tell with probably 99.9% .9 certainty that it will, um, because that's what we've seen through experience. This isn't me just saying it because I, 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 I'm hypothesizing. No, this hypothesis, this, my, me hypothesizing has come to truth. It, it, it just changes fast. People's ideas change. People's feelings change. 
what they want or don't want changes. And so it's just important to make sure that we update it. Very similar to our passwords, Nathaniel, as you tell us almost every day on our Monday morning meetings that to update our devices and make sure our passwords, life changes that fast too. So updating your state plan is important so that it's as up-to-date as possible. Outside of that, please think about digital assets. And if you don't know where they're gonna go, start talking to people like ourselves or a lawyer in order to understand it um, to make sure that it is part of your state plan. We really appreciate everyone's time and we will talk to you soon. Like and subscribe. Thank you for taking the time to start your journey of thinking differently and listening to LBW talk about stuff they love. Until next time. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual on any specific security, on any specific broker-dealer or custodian. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments, broker-dealer or custodian may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinion of Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC. Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC unless a client service agreement is in place.